You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett. And first of all, and as always, just thank you for showing up and listening and keep showing up because I'll keep bringing great thought processes to help you create a better practice, and better life. And today I have one of my good friends, Dr. Pat Lillis from my Kansas City crew who describes, he's got a very unique practice. It's a very cool practice, very simple practice. And today we talk about how to do highly profitable procedures in a non-selling fashion. It's a very easy, simple formula. And if you get it, it makes dentistry a lot of fun. So check it out. I know you'll enjoy it and we'll see you guys soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm so pumped you're showing up and loving every single minute of it. And as I always try to do, try to bring on great thinkers, great you know, leaders, great thought process, great speakers, great dentists to improve your practice and improve your life. And I've got a good friend of mine, Dr. Pat Lillis on. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing well, Kurt. How are you? Doing awesome. And as we do, we should probably call this the fireside chat or the end of the day chat or something like this. Um, and today we're going to be talking about how to do profitable, non-selling, procedures in your practice and the evolution of that. So if you're a dentist, you're thinking like, how do I do this? How do I create a profitable practice? And then get away from the hard sell. Like you got, you know, cause you know, this patients can feel it when you need the dentistry more than they need it. Now that's been said a million times in dentistry, but Pat, you're going to help us see the ins and outs of it. But uh, as I always do, you know, if you're a new listener here, we got a lot of young students listening. So I always want them to know who our guest is. So who's Dr. Pat Lillis? Give us a little background. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Um, so Pat Lillis, who is he? I'm just a normal guy practicing in Kansas City. I'm just a restorative dentist. Um, I have a small practice. I work out of one operatory. I have three operatories in my practice. So it's kind of a small, comprehensive uh, dental practice, but I had it for about 18 years. I was a two years as a resident for AGD. Um, yeah, and I've just, we all know, we all run in the same crowd. So a lot of mutual friends, and we've had just a blast in the last 18 to 20 years of practice. So that's who I am. Yeah. So I'm just a regular dentist um, who just trying to 
carve out my little piece of the world over here in Overland Park, Kansas. Well, I think what's really cool about your practice is you are definitely, as I've watched your career evolve, you are not somebody who's trying to be all things to all people. You know, you, you kind of figured out like, it's okay if I'm a little different or if I'm just trying to do my own thing, like you, you've got a really clear vision about how you want to practice. Can you just talk about that? Like, and how did that happen? Did, was there, was there a turning point for you? Like, was there a key moment? What was it? Yeah. Good question. Actually, I just had this conversation with my hygienist. I was getting my teeth cleaned today. So yes, we do do go through that. And afterwards, we just kind of hung out. So she predates me in the practice. She was uh, the hygienist for us, for my partner, Dr. Bernie Williams. And so when we started off, we could, uh, I could barely fill one day of hygiene a week. So, um, and now we're, we're talking about maybe do we need to add another hygienist uh, a one couple days a week. Anyway, so um, yeah, so it was, it's just been kind of a crazy ride. I mean, when I first started, I just kind of slowly but surely just decided that we were going to really go through this comprehensive approach because that's what I was as a resident with. And, and Kirk, we're, we're all be very, very lucky to have incredible mentors. And so um, when I lecture, the very first thing I talk about is vision because without vision, it's really, really, it's almost like we waste a lot of time in dentistry and we only have so many years and hours and days at the chair. And so I think it starts back to vision, back to what you talk about with your clients and what you're speaking about over the years, which is totally my jam, um, is really starting with vision. And then once the vision is set, you can really then everything becomes very clear. It gets less cloudy because then you can say, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And it's almost like you put, I always say to my, um, the people that we teach, it's like almost like you put horse blinders on, right? So it's like, you put horse blinders on that nobody can then veer you off course from what your vision is. And everybody's vision is completely different. Not everybody wants to practice the way I want to practice. So it's important, I think, just to have vision. So I think the turning point in my career has been just accumulation of mentors and friends. And, and when I got, here's the, here's where the turning point is. When I got out of trying to tell the patient what they needed Right. Like, like, because what ends up happening, our good friend, Rob Ritter always says, then we own the trip. We own the treatment. Right. And we're not looking forward to owning the treatment. When I got out of that kind of, and I just went to people and said, listen, I, 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 this is, I'm just a referee as, as our friend, Bob Marges says, you know, I call him as I see him. Right. And then you just tell the patient, you walk them through that sense. And then when you get out of the selling part and you're just selling yourself, not the treatment, that's when I noticed a huge turn in my career. So that's, that's a little awesome. bit about. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so as we talk about this and doing profitable non-selling procedures, so let's take the first part of it uh, apart. So how, when we talk about profitable procedures, can you explain that? How, how does it relate to your practice? And then we can talk about like how to non-sell them. What does that mean to you? Profitable procedures. So one of the things that we talk about in dentistry is, is dentists are always looking to be, you know, more profitable. They're looking to work less, not more, uh, looking to work not harder, but smarter. And so I think the key, the holy grail of dentistry to me is efficiency, predictability, and time. And so how we can accomplish those three things really truly is when we get to the holy grail of dentistry. And so 
one of the things that we all talk about and we see on lecture circuits is full mouth rehabs and all this really sophisticated dentistry, which I think is great. And we do it in our practice too. But the posterior implant and the posterior crown, I think, kind of gets glossed over. And that is probably the most, probably the most profitable thing you can do in your practice is a posterior implant crown or a posterior tooth crown or knowing where you're going. I always tell people when you're looking at you're doing your procedures, you really should take a stopwatch and you should be able to time that down to the minute of when you're going to start, you're going to stop. And if that is not predictable, then it's time to start looking at that procedure. If it's really a good idea to keep your armamentarium in your practice. Now, if it gets you out of bed in the morning and you love it, great, go for it. But it's really honing in that predictability. Now that can, but the posterior, the posterior crown, the posterior implant crown, the full mouth reconstruction can be as well, as long as you've as long as you can predictably know where you're going to end up before you start, that's the holy grail of dentistry. That's how you become profitable. Yeah, that's absolutely. All right. So we'll go back to this. So like, you know, why do I need to time myself, Pat? Everything's an hour. I know it is like, <laughs> I, you know, how many times I've heard that probably 10,000 times. Well, yeah. first of all, I'll just speak to that. Like you, I want you to say your dentists are very unaware like very unaware, you know, you'll see team members go, Oh my gosh, like, I, I can't even believe he just said that. Like, why do I want to time myself? Cause what am I going to learn when I'm tiny timing these procedures and I'm finding out they're not starting and stopping on, you know, on time each time. I mean, because that's, that's, that's the predictability aspect. So what I mean by that is like, let's say, let's say that you're doing molar root canals, right? So you have to understand. So back, let me backtrack a little second. In my practice, I take care. I'm a gums up dentist right? Okay. I only do restorative dentistry. That's it. So I don't do any endo. I don't do any perio. I don't do any surgery. I don't do that stuff. It's not that I'm against it. It's just the fact that for me, it just wasn't predictable. It's not predictable. And I mean by that. So like if I time procedure, if I start a crown preparation, I should be able to know exactly when I'm going to start and when I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. Another thing too, is if you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, let's say that you're doing Let's say you're doing a crown on 18, you're doing a crown on 19, and then the next procedure is going to be endo on 30 and end, and 31, right? Well, now you got to turn your room over. You got to get the different instrument parium out. Like you got to, your assistant's got to completely shift gears. Um, it's just, it, that's, that's not that to me, that to, for me in my hands, it just wasn't efficient. Um, it's just more and more efficient to do the same four or five procedures, which I'd love to do anyways, but I know when I'm going to start, when I'm going to stop. That to us is we just turn and burn, right? So, I mean, you just go from one crown preparation to the next crown preparation to the next one to the operative procedure. You pre-block your schedule out where you're just going to do crowns and, and major stuff in the morning. Then you're going to do operative dentistry in the afternoon and sprinkled in with exams pre-booked out. I mean, that to us has been a very, very efficient model. And it's us working four days a week all the way down to three days a week and still producing the same numbers as we were when we were doing four days a week and we were doing a hodgepodge of dentistry. So yeah. that's what it's meant for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. And also too, I want to ask you about the posterior, you know, crown implant. It, why is that getting dusted over or not? Is it because it's just not as sexy? I mean, it's just not really sexy to talk about anymore in den- dental ed- education, but it's more important <laughs> Than probably most of the other procedures. Wouldn't you agree? 
I don't 100%, know. hundred percent. Yeah. So it doesn't get, it doesn't get mentioned in lecture except for in mine mm -hmm. uh, because it's not as, as you said, I mean, it's this, you know, they're like, Oh, here we go. Crown preparation. But when I flash up my slide deck and I look at, so I cross compare three things. I cross compare a single two crown, a single implant crown. And then I look at a three unit fixed bridge and I look at cross production comparisons. And when I show the audience kind of what I'm, what, how, how, how really profitable a single implant crown is, which is the single people are like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't realize that was such a, you know, a profitable procedure. I said, yeah, it's just a function of time. So you can do an intraoral scan on a posterior implant crown in 10 minutes, and then you can deliver that in another 10 minutes. So that's about 20 minutes. Let's just be conservative. Let's say it's like 30 minutes total chair time. There's no anesthetic, there's no packing cord, and it's all scanned. Right. I mean, it's like crazy, but it gets glossed over and people don't realize it. And, and if, you can, if you can master the posterior restoration, it's a huge practice builder. I cannot tell you how many patients come in the practice and say, yeah, I just left my other dentist because he put this crown in like four or five times and it's never fit really well. And it took him five times to do it. And I just lost confidence. That's a killer. Right. And it was just a single, a single restoration. So anyways. That's awesome. That's awesome. As far as the other, you know, other aspects, predictability, you mentioned predictability. I, I need you to explain that. Why is that such an important part of the formula? You know, and, and if you're a dentist on this journey, you know, I mean, you're talking my jam on predictability, but what's that mean to you? What's that word mean? It means I know where I'm going to end before I start. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if we're doing a single posterior restoration or if you're just going to be open in vertical dimension and doing 28 crowns. If the case is planned out and it's mapped out and it's predictable, that's going to be a very profitable procedure for you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and it could be a single tooth implant surgery for you. If that, if you, if you can do your implant surgery and you can bang it out and you know exactly down to the time frame of how long it's going to take you, go for it. Yeah. But that's predictability is the key because if you can work seven hours in a predictable practice versus 14 hours in an unpredictable practice, that's huge. You can cut, you can cut your time down. You can cut your work days down. If you really get, if you can hone in on this, that's the key. Yeah. So that would be an awesome study for you and I to do. I'm pretty sure we could find some pretty solid data on predictable versus non-predictable and its impact on profitability. But I'm pretty confident we could never find any data on how much stomach lining disappears when you don't have predictability. So, you know, you talk about the remix, you talk about the frustration, you talk about how it, you know, gets into other time elements. The lack of predictability has created more stress than anything I see in dentistry, probably. Now you could probably relate that back to culture, you know, systems, all that. But if you boiled it down, like, and you only had to pick one or two things, I would predict, at least you knew it was going to happen, you know? And so you could get better all the time. So Pat, you're screaming like one of my favorite things of all time. And so this is a huge piece of profitability. Now, I also want you to go into the non-selling thing. You got to define non-selling. Okay. Cause everybody's been on this journey. You've all been there. If you're listening to this and you're a new dental, you're new into the world of dentistry. Like you're trying to, you're going to find yourself pushing some patient to do the crown. And you're going to be like, wow, I pushed her pretty hard to say this. So take us on the journey of non-selling. What does that mean? So years and years ago, 
uh, back to our friend, good, our good friend, Bob Marges, we talked about this ad nauseum. And what we discussed was, you know, our, our role in our practices, and, and we're all in the Midwest, so I think it's kind of meets our culture here, is we're not pushy. And it's kind of amazing when you put that back on the patient and you just walk away, what they will do, they'll do treatment. But when they feel that they're getting a hard sell or they're being pushed, they will start to start to back away. And I think the, the selling part is, I don't think we need to sell the dentistry. We just need to sell ourselves that we're, we're confident and to do what we're doing. So I think the biggest thing for us is just educating, show, teach, and then back away. For example, you know, if we diagnose, let's say you're, you're, you know, we get a lot of referred, we get a lot of patients that get referred into the practice and they all have significant issues. And I was doing a case about two years ago and you know me, I like to tell stories. So I, I literally walk into the, I don't even get into the foot into the operatory. And this patient says, I bet you're going to tell me I need $50,000 worth of dentistry done. And I looked her straight in the eye and I said, I'm not going to tell you, you need any dentistry done. And she goes, well, what do you mean? I go, listen, I go, it's, it's your money, your mouth and your time. You're not going to die because I didn't fix your teeth. Now you may have other ramifications. Uh, you won't be able to chew your food correctly. You may have dental infections. You may have a lot of other things, but you're not going to die because I didn't do the dentistry or we didn't do your case. You, you'll be okay. The immediate, she immediately changed. I mean, literally flipped. And we kind of got all that way. I got all that out right out in the open. <clears throat> and so I'm kind of big with just getting it right out in the open right away. And yeah. so sure enough, I mean, she needed, a, she needed an absolute, she needed a rehab. She needed a 28 tooth open vertical dimension rehab. But, and, and the dentistry was around that fees, but that wasn't the point. The point for her was, is we weren't pushing it on her. And we told her, you know what? If you don't want to do this case, no big deal. There's no big deal. If you want to do this in a year, you can do it in a year. There's, there may be windows closing for you. you know, your options may be going down, but you're going to survive if you don't get the dentistry done. I think this is the biggest thing that, that we as a profession, and I struggle with this too when I was younger. I mean, I, there's no way I would have done this when I was younger. But it's, when we switch to that, I'm telling you, case acceptance is through the roof. Yeah. It's through the roof. It's crazy. It's counterintuitive. It's kind of what you think it would be. But it is yeah. counterintuitive because, um, I don't know, and you tell me if this makes sense. Like, I always like to break it down when somebody's saying something. Like, if, I think selling as a dentist, it really takes a turn when you get, you get to do two things. You just tell the patient the truth over and over and over again, and then you make it clear this is your choice. You know, I'm okay with whatever you decide, but I'm going to tell you the circumstances of any, but the cool thing is it's going to be your decision you know, because you don't want to own the dentistry. And it's really weird. Like it, it's, uh, you've seen this happen in different facets. It's like, you're, as soon as you stop caring, you know, so much about whether or not they say yes, it's like, oh, or I had a dentist here who was like, you know, I don't know if this is the right practice for you. And he said this a couple of weeks ago. He's a, he's a Kois guy. He's like, I just said to a patient, I don't know if this is the right practice for you. And she's like, what, are you kicking me out? No, I'm just saying like, I don't know if I'm your dentist. And she's like, no, you are. And he's like, that was kind of a big moment for me because I just started leaning into what I knew was true. And it's amazing how many people will move towards you when they can just feel it from you. So I, I totally agree. I think you are selling yourself, but you don't really have to sell if you can just tell the truth and 
let the patient know this is your choice, right? Just tell them the truth and walk away. I mean, seriously, just walk away. I mean, we talk about all the time, like if you have a broken tooth and hygiene. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you got a fracture on this tooth. I'm going to recommend you need a crown. If you don't do the crown, fine. I mean, the crack could go into your nerve chamber and you might need a root canal with the crown. Okay. If it goes beyond the nerve chamber and it goes into your root system and, you, and the tooth fractures, then you may need the tooth removed. All of that is fine. You're not going to die because you didn't get that done. But you turned a X number of dollar procedure now into an X times five number of dollar per procedure. Just so you know that, fine. I hope, and I hope when that, ha- if that happens and I'm in town, I hope I'm here to fix it. You know, I mean, that's, and then you just walk out. I mean, just literally just walk out. And it is amazing what people will do. I mean, I was equated to like back when I was in high school, right? And I was chasing after a girl or whatever, and she didn't want anything to do with me. And what did we do? We we were like, wanted her. But then, same thing, like the one that like all of a sudden paid attention to you, you're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. So it's kind of similar to that, where just, you know, you just tell them the truth and walk away case acceptance goes up. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's the weirdest thing ever. When I started doing this, all of a sudden, all, all cases, I mean, think about the patient that I, I had a patient a couple of years ago that we just did not want to work on. I saw red flags all over the place and I dismissed the patient. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was like, we couldn't get, she's like, no, no, I want you to keep doing my, my, I was like, no, we're not doing your case. Yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, so it's true. just, um, it's crazy. Yeah. Everything you said makes sense except for the high school thing. Cause I had no luck whatsoever. So like, yeah, maybe that was just your jam. You know what? You got good looking Me hair. Either. That's the problem with you. You got like, did you put gel in your hair today? I put I gel in did. my hair. Oh, I don't like you anymore. I just, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this last time. I know I got, I just, you know what I got? I, I just, I, I love, I love Raz and people that have great hair and you put gel in it every day. So you're a lucky guy. So now my son is 14 and he puts gel in his hair. So it's pretty fun to like watch him do that. So I don't even know where we're going with that, but like you're exactly, you're exactly right now. Okay. So I have so many questions. Okay. So you're talking about profitable procedures. You're talking about posterior implants. You're talking about single tooth restoration, full mouth. Okay. And non-selling. Okay. Listen, Pat, I'm listening to you, but I'm a young dentist. Like I mean, what, am I only going to like start selling those things? Like what if somebody comes in and they have a lot going on or let's say, you know, I don't quite have, how do I put these together? You know, and am I, am I, you know, help me make sense of those two pieces. I think the biggest thing you need is, is culture and your practice to do this. You need a team behind you that believes and shares in the vision that you have. So it's easy for me, honestly, to say, you know, listen, you need this, this, and this and walk away because I know that I've got four individuals behind me that have all been in the practice for 15 plus years that have already bought into that vision, believe in the systems and everything. So I think if you want to take this approach, then you have got to have the team behind you. And it's got to be, it's got to be a culture uh, that, that you have cultivated into your practice. Okay. So I think that's key. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And can I ask you about that? So like, so I, you know, I'm a nerd about this stuff. I love CE. So, so when you talk about a culture, which I absolutely agree. So you've got an entire team. Are you talking fees? Are they talking fees? Who wraps up the treatment plan and the details? Are you staying focused on just the treatment? Like give us some perspective on that. Yeah. So if it's a, if it's simple dentistry, like single to two teeth, I'll let the, I'll let the staff handle that up front. So 
if we diagnose something where they need a, a single tooth crown or a couple tooth crowns or whatever, I'll let the I'll let the team kind of go over that at the front desk when they sit down and do the financials. If it's a big, big case, I'm talking about I'm I'm telling them the fee. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I'm playing the back nine of my career now. And I don't know what it is, but I just tell people, new patients that get referred in by other uh, specialists and dentists and things like that, where there's, it's a complex case. I just kind of look in there and I say, you know, you're going to buy a car here. You know, it's probably going to cost you anywhere from 15 to 30, maybe 40, 50,000 bucks. I don't know. And I said, but I'm going to gather my records. And I'm going to kind of sift through your case after I get my records done. And then when we come back to the consultation, I'll give you three options. But I go, you know, don't get sticker shocked because I think this is what it's going to cost if you really want to fix your mouth up and do it correctly. So I will give them sort of those fees. And then when I get to the consultation, I'll tell them what the fee is there too. So it's kind of a mixture between the two. But the key is that when I leave that consultation, you know, our treatment coordinators, they've been there forever. So they can tell the patients, they can look them in the eye and tell them, you know, that this is going to be okay. And that this is going to be probably a wise investment. But again, we're still hands off. We're like, listen, it's, it's your, it's, this is your situation. And, yeah. and this is how we can help you. Yeah. Um, but, but there's no pressure. Yeah. And, and there's, there's an evolution of confidence too. So you have to have the confidence to be able to discuss it. Plus your team members too. They can't be riddled with fear, you know, and not making eye contact. You guys work hard on that, right? Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the advantage of only doing like four or five procedures in the practice because, you know, we just do only, so we just do that. We do a lot of the same thing over and over and over again. And so the team then knows that over and over and over again. So it's all about confidence and we can, we can come into these consultations with confidence, uh, like you're saying, both not on my part, but also on the team. The team is huge. And I got to tell you, I didn't realize this till about 10 years ago. I mean, the first probably five years of my life, I thought I, I thought I was it. You know, I thought it was the patients are coming in to see me. I'm gonna, I'm the one that's gonna be talking about these cases, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, and you kind of have to learn the hard way. And I think that now I whatever everything that you talk about in these podcasts and then in your lectures and what you teach is 100 percent true. Um, it's all about culture, it's all about cultivating that culture, it's all about vision and getting your team behind you and the importance of the dental team is completely understated. I mean, they are key to a practice success. I, I'm, 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 I'm convinced now in my career that that's true. So everything you talk about is hundred percent on and everybody needs to listen to it because I, I, I can, I'm a living proof of it. I tried it one way, doesn't work. Tried it this way. It 100% works. So yeah. I got to hang out with you more because you're making me feel really confident. Like, and, and, you know, I, I don't I'll just say this, like, I don't, you know, as, as you, uh, as you evolve, as you grow, um, there are a lot of things I taught. I, I experienced in my early career. I'm like, this'll do it. And then you get older and you're like, no, bottom line is there's just one formula. The secret sauce is right people, right seats and being clear about where you want to go. You can accomplish more. You gain more ground. You have more fun. You get less stressed. And that journey is not an easy one. You got to be you got to be really clear about what you're looking for and how you create it in your practice. And it it ultimately becomes fun. So I I totally agree with you. And it's fun to learn from you. Now, one other thing I just want to point out. To our listeners. So if you're listening, you're going to see like, this is why I enjoy hanging around Pat. 
you are really a, a kind of a unicorn. Like you're, so there's a lot of people out there that teach super dots. You know, like do, if I was to draw a spectrum or like a, you know, you're like on the opposite side. So instead of teaching a dentist to do 97 procedures, you only do four, like pretty much for the most part. Like that's kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, and I yeah. love it. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I was, I'm just thinking through my head what I do. Yeah. I mean, maybe four or five. So, right. so if it's we're going to do like a, it's if we're gonna do, yeah, if we're going to do a fee analysis, I'm not looking at seven, you know, 72 things. I'm looking at basically 80% of your practice is probably coming from a few sets of fees. That's it. Few codes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and everybody told me I was crazy when I first did it. And I don't know. I mean, I did, I think more or less for me, Kirk, it was, it was, I didn't enjoy endo. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy pediatric dentistry. I didn't enjoy these things. So I just picked the stuff that I really was passionate about. And then I just went with it and tried to kind of carve out my community that if you needed that done, I always wanted to, I always wanted to be where if you needed that done, you would send it to that practice and get that done. And, um, yeah, so we did it. And like I said, everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, I had consultants and, and reps and, you know, everybody would say, well, you got to do root canals to be profitable because it's such low overhead. And I'm like, yeah, well, here the problem is, is I hate endo. <laughs> so, and I'm not very good at it. So right. why would I do it if I'm not good at it and I don't really enjoy it? And you're usually, if you don't enjoy something, you're not going to be very good at it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sticking through my head. I don't, I mean, we only do like a handful of things and, um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's 18 years later. It's still fun. I mean, yeah. I, I love it. So. Yeah. Now also I, I, we got to call this out. You are a practice that's out of network, you know, and not everybody has decided to make that journey. So if I'm a dentist listening and I, you know, I'm working in that direction, but I have a lot of PPOs. What are you going to say to me about, you know, profitable procedures in a non-selling way. What would you, what, what kind of, and don't leave me hanging. Don't say, well, you got to get out of there. Like, give me some hope here, brother. What, what would you say to me if I'm listening? This is a whole, this is like a whole nother episode. Uh, hey, so. I get these questions all the time. I talk to a lot of really great young dentists, yeah. male and female, and they're, they purchased a practice. They're caught in the trap. They know they want to work their self out of the trap. And what doesn't help them is when they're talking to somebody who's fee for service and just, well, you just got to get out and just pay, have people pay cash. Now we all know that's a little bit true, but that doesn't help me if I'm a young dentist listening and I got a ton of debt. I got little kids easy for you to say, you know, what would you say to me? Well, I think if you want to do fee for service dentistry, you have to have a really good command on clinical skills yeah. and you've got to really be confident in what you're doing. So as a young dentist, when you come out of dental school, I was spoiled. I got to do a residency program for two years. Um, and it was amazing program with amazing mentors. And we did just exquisite dentistry. So I'm, I'm in lucky, but if I didn't have that, I would do hundred percent. I mean, Bob and I talk about this all the time where, you know, go to, go to Spear, Panky, Coy, Dawson, spend, you know, you're already in debt. What's another $50,000, you know, like, take the 50,000 and go spend it there because they will teach you how to do the dentistry if you want to do that. But I have friends in Kansas city, Kirk, that are fine not doing that. And they're fine doing PPO dentistry and they're totally comfortable doing it. And they don't want to mess with the stuff that I see and that I get referred. So they refer the cases to us and it works. Yeah. So again, it's back to the vision. 
But if you want to be PPO you, and you want to run that type of a practice, you have to have, I think you have to have clinical skills that are going to be off the charts. You have to have a good clinical knowledge. And then the second thing you need is you need a strong team. You need a team that has that vision because your team, let's be honest, your team is the one that's going to field the majority of the insurance phone calls. They're going to endure, they're going to endure most of the questions about insurance. We tell patients now when they come in, they're just like, well, you know, they sit in our chair and we're doing the preclinical interview and they start, they start mouthing insurance. I just tell them, I just put my hands up. I say, whoa. I said, listen, if, if insurance is going to be important to you and that's going to make or break your decision, I go, this is, we're just not, we're not the right place for you. And it's not, we're trying to be calloused. It's just that, you know, that's a coupon plan. It's a prepaid dental benefit plan. They'll give you back. You put in a certain amount, they give you a certain back. But I go, you're far, you've left that realm. So this, it's not going to make or break what you, it's not going to break or break your decision. And this, and it automatically, it's just a shifting and, and people shift and they'll pivot and it's, but you have to have the team behind you. I cannot stress that enough. And you've got to be confident about what you're doing um, and being very, very good and having a very good, a vast array of clinical skills. A lot of, I was, you know, I was one of my residency directors used to say, you have to have a lot of bananas in your tail pocket to feed the monkey. And as many bananas as you can have, you can't have too many. So um, I think those are the two key ingredients as team and a vast array of clinical skills and expertise. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Now I want you, you, you mentioned mentorship, you and Dr. Brandon James do some really cool stuff. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but any last thoughts that you have when it comes to putting these two pieces together, how to do profitable, highly profitable, non-selling dentistry, anything yeah. So for younger dentists that are out there that are probably listening, um, go for it. That's why I tell everybody, you know, uh, we have a younger friend of ours that we're mentoring right now in our group and he's starting to make the transition into um, kind of more of a practice that we have. And so we just tell him and he's got, and, and he's, you know, one of our friends said, you're going to get seasickness, right? He's going to get a little seasickness as you go through this process, but go for it. You know, don't, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something because you can absolutely do this. The most, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful profession. You can practice it any way you want to. So go for it. Yeah. Um, and don't sell, don't put the hard sell on patients. I mean, people can sniff through that in two seconds. I had a guy in my office just literally last week who had a hybrid denture that fractured, fractured the two front teeth off. And he went to go see the guy's a little bit younger. He went to go see him and he got totally mad because the guy was putting a hard sell on him to redo his prosthesis or whatever. And I looked at him and I said, you know, yeah, you probably, you're, you're worn the teeth off, but the bar is still in pretty good shape, but probably could just retread the tires here. I said, let's, let's just do this. I go, what do you want right now? And he goes, well, I just want these two front teeth bonded back on. I said, fine, let's do it. I said, we'll put them back on. We'll repair, we'll fix up. And then we'll talk about what we need to do. In the future, probably we can retread the bar or maybe do a new one. He was like, fine. So, you know, he sniffed through it in two seconds and he was mad. And I, you know, and so sometimes it's just tell them the truth, do the right thing, and then just back off. And it, I'm telling you, it just, it works. I, I can't Love explain it. it other than the fact that it works. Love it, brother. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now I want you to talk about what you guys are up to. You're having a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. sharing this knowledge, you're a great teacher and you've put together a great program. Can you talk about that? Well, you're too nice for starters. Um, I got to tell you, this is the most exciting. So, you know, me. I mean, we've known each other for a long time, right? A lot of them. Yep. And 
I've, I've had the, I've been very blessed with good mentors and I've been blessed with to be able to teach. And it's one of my passions. I love to teach. I love to help dentists out. And this program that we're doing is, I tell you, this is some of the most fun I've had in, in teaching in forever because I feel like we're putting a major dent into education. And what I mean by this, so post-pandemic, what I'm seeing is that I've been just trying to like trying to observe the tectonic plates of education and where they're shifting. And what I found is that a lot of dentists over the pandemic really bonded. Um, a lot of people in communities bonded together. Um, a lot of people leaned on each other. And coming out of COVID, what we found is that they would like to continue to kind of go together for education and they're okay to, and they want to just learn together now versus kind of by themselves. So what we did is I had this idea about, I had it over COVID and I said, okay, here's the thing. Here's what I want to do. I want to put together a small group format over four sessions and I'm going to give them every single thing in my practice all the way down to the forms. I'm going to give them everything. And I want to have education be what I would want, like how I would want it. And so what we did is we developed a program. I put the curriculum together and then I pitched it to, um, I pitched it to Nobel and I said, okay, Nobel Valcare. I said, here's the thing I want to do. I want to do a four uh, course lecturing series where you do uh, section one is going to be this section two, three is going to be diagnosis and treatment planning. So all the dentists are going to bring their case to the session two and three. And we will help them diagnose and treatment plan the course. And then session four uh, will be just an all day teaching about occlusion, about digital workflows. Um, I mean, I'm all fully digital now, but how we do digital, how we do in our digital, how we, and then integration into the practice and, and everything that goes in between. So it's not just pie in the sky dentistry, it's everything we do. So we did that. And we, so we launched it at the national sales meeting this year and we thought, okay, you know, we'll probably do a couple courses, couple lectures, probably do you know, they're each one's four. So I'll probably do 12, you know, 12 lectures for the year. That should be pretty good. And then, you know, we'll see at the end of the year, we'll probably add some more, probably add some speakers. We'll build it out. Well, all of a sudden we got flooded. I mean, to the point where it's like, we, I booked out 2022 right away. And so it's like, holy smokes. I mean, now we're, we're going to inundate it. So I brought in some good friends of ours, right? So Dr. Brandon James, who's a prosthodontist in our community, who's like, this is just an awesome guy. He's a good friend of mine. He's an even better educator and clinician. Um, so we brought Brandon in because I'm like, I need some help. And so he came in and he took it in. We booked him out for 2022. <laughs> so we're That's like, holy awesome. smokes. So then it's just, Kurt, it's just growing like crazy. And it's been, I think the reason being is because it's super organic. Um, we teach him every single thing we're doing in our private practice. We're teaching him how to be efficient, how to be everything we just talked about, how to be predictable, efficient, and profitable. Um, and how we can help them reach their visions. And we meet every dentist where they are, and then we just help make them better. And I've loved it because I'm learning from them just as much as hopefully they're learning from me. And I feel like when we leave a program that we've made a difference in dentistry, um, no longer do I feel like I need to go to podiums and show all my stuff and go home. Um, I don't want to do that. I want to be on the grassroots with younger dentists, middle-aged dentists, older dentists that are just trying to get better every day and trying to improve their practices every day. And so we feel like we're making a difference. And I think that's why the popularity has grown so much. And it's probably been the most rewarding thing that I've done on the educational level in my entire career. That's and awesome. So, um, it's just, it's just been a blast. So, okay. So if I'm listening, how do I find out more? Where, give me the link. Where do I go? Just contact me. 
And so you can contact me, you can email me, you can call me, you can do whatever you want, but email is usually the best. Um, it's D-R-L-I-L-L-I-S. So Dr. Lillis at MacMAC.com. And what we do is we put you in touch. Uh, I kind of, I can go over the program with you, but it's really what it boils down to. It's a surgeon, 12 to 15 of his or her referrals, a laboratory technician, the rep and myself. And so I'm kind of spearheading all of the component, all of the marketing right now for it. I kind of go over people what they want for it. And um, I can put the puzzle pieces together for them if they want. So um, it's been, it's been, a, it's just been a blast and I'm, I'm, I'm having a ball doing it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's so much fun. So great. I'm so we'll proud of you. To, hopefully we'll come up to Milwaukee. Let's uh, do it. The, let's do it. That's let's in the get, mix right now, actually. You know, so I was, I was just going to say, I'm going to come down, but like, let's get you up here. How's that? So well, that might work. So you know that I did my undergrad at Marquette, right? I know. I can see the trash can in the background and you've mentioned oh, that many see, times. Yeah. You can see the so, trash can. I, I notice a lot of things that most people don't notice or pay attention to. Did you to. see the final four picture? No, I didn't see it. Were you at the final four? I was there. Wow. Yeah, 2003. So. Um, I have a special my place in my heart for Milwaukee. I think it's I think it's probably more than one more one of the underrated cities out there. It's just a the phenomenal place. City. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. So we will put that together. And in the meantime, if you guys aren't taking notes, uh, we're taking notes for you. So if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, doesn't matter. Flip up to the notes. Just take this episode, flip it up. You're going to see all the notes, everything that we've discussed. Our writers are freaking amazing. So they've documented everything Dr. Lillis has shared, all the nuggets, and then also his email address. You can click right on it. It'll send an email right to Dr. Lillis, and you guys can check out more about what those guys are doing, and I highly encourage you to do so. So as always, brother, it's great having you on, man. Thanks for carving out some time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. And it's all, as always, it's a blast and it always um, is never long enough. So um, yeah, we'd let, we need to spend some more time with each other. I miss seeing you. Hey, miss seeing you too. And so hopefully we can get the whole crew and KC together and go out for a beer, have a good time. And so I'll Love let it. you know. Yeah. So stick around and say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the best practice show podcast. Hey, if you enjoy today, which I know you did, please do us a favor, hit the share button, share this episode with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. I get them all the time and I love it. And I'm going to be spending the rest of my life trying to keep up with this list. So it's good stuff. And uh, until we see you guys next time, keep watching, keep listening, or keep tuning in to the best practices show. You guys have a great day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.